So you've exposed me now. Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. Uh, FC Dallas had a roller coaster of a night on Saturday that ended in a 2 2 draw with Real Salt Lake. We'll discuss it all on this episode. Uh, and speaking of roller coasters, buckle up for this one because we are live in person on my patio uh, and we're here to celebrate a send off for a soon to be Michigander uh, nuclear scientist, Nico Mendez. How's it going, Nico? Doing pretty good. It's good to be in person. Good to interact with people before I just stare at uh, dots and squiggly lines on graphs. You come up. You come above ground for this one. I did come above ground. Normally, uh, I'm a hundred feet underground. So something happens. I'm already well six feet under. There you go. This is not an underground podcast anymore. Um, also joining us under the cedar ceiling, drowning a draft of some sort of burger and fries beer. Uh, Third degree zone, Dan Crook. How's it going, Dan? Thanks for driving up here. What the hell did I just listen to? <laughs> I don't know. Some sort of nerd talk. I, I just I, all I had was Jamiroquai's deeper underground playing in my head at the time. Is that a British band? Yes. Oh, yes. Are you impressed that I knew it? And I'm a, I'm from Oklahoma. No, you probably saw the old Godzilla movie that had it. That's probably thing. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Should we start again? <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a real rough recording. Um, we're we're about what two beers in, uh, so hang on, folks. It'll be okay. All right, uh, let's let's talk about FC Dallas's match on Saturday night. The conditions on that match were pretty well like the conditions tonight. A little dreary, rainy, maybe a little bit more rain that that night. Um, the uh, we'll just quickly run through the the match recap. In the 20th minute, uh, Rubio Rabin opened the scoring for uh, Real Salt Lake. And uh, in the 43rd minute, Frank O'Hara scored a penalty to, to draw things back even. Then uh, second half happened. It wasn't the typical FC Dallas second half. They actually came out with some energy and able to actually uh, keep up with their opponent in the second half a little bit. Um, then in the 84th minute, Everyone thought that that FC Dallas had gone ahead and was going to win the match at home. Their, you know, I guess their second home home match, home win of the season. The 84th minute, Ryan Hollingshead uh, beats beats two defenders, slots one home. Uh, celebrations were had. Smoke was was spraying, uh, and then before the smoke had even cleared, uh, Krylech from from RSL in the 86th minute. Scores a header um, uh, to draw them even, and that's how it, the night ended, splitting the points. Uh, Dan, what do you think of the match? Well, I mean, we've we've you know talking off this, we've we've got an argument coming over uh, a certain greatest of all time, but uh, you know it was, it was a good showing from FC Dallas. I'm lucky not to get the result. Um, Frank O'Hara came to life. Who would have seen that coming? Got the goal. Next thing you know, he's flying around with bicycle kicks, uh, looking actually lively, coming back, tracking back for balls, and actually 
you know, receiving them. It's a miracle. He even had a shot from outside the box for the first time this season and got it on target. Well, let's start there with Frank O'Hara then. Um, this is, he got the penalty. Um, you know, it wasn't a, a goal from the run of play, but it seemed, it did seem to energize him. It is, I mean, was that all his takes, I it, guess? It's a confidence position, right? It, you just have to score. It doesn't matter how it goes in, as long as it goes in. Um, and he kind of, after the game, he looked a bit more lively, uh, you know, in the, in the press conference, uh, Nico can probably tell you a lot better what he actually said but supposedly he said he was just really happy to score and looking to put a run together now so you know where better to start than against uh, a Colorado side that uh, you you know have conceded a few sloppy goals over the years to FC Dallas yeah like uh, Dan said he asked the question of kind of a two-parter question and Franco kind of talked about how he's just happy to score a goal as that's his role as a striker. He kind of just uh, feels like he's building up his confidence and rhythm throughout the uh, throughout the game. So, uh, of course, that's a sum summarization and f also a translation. But uh, from that aspect, it kind of, I think some are a little relieved that Franco is finally on the score sheet. But um, I'm pretty sure the questions about his efficacy to the team is going to still <laughs> linger on for quite a while before Dallas gets that uh much wanted 10 plus consistent goal striker. Yeah, he, he, there are still some chances that he, you really want him to put away in that match. Um, despite having more energy, there's there's still some some of those some of those close range shots that he's just got to put away if he's gonna you know if people are gonna feel comfortable with him, I guess, and kind of kind of get off his back a little bit um, because of that salary. I think. I think the problem he's got is you know was it a DP performance? Yeah, probably. Was it a 2.9 million a season DP performance? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just got to put a run together, get a little bit consistent. You know, he did the same last year. He put a run together after getting a, a penalty and then a, a goal from the run of play and had a, a nice little, uh, was, it, was it seven goals by the end of the year? Um, same, same way Cobra did it. Cobra was uh, really, the team was ready to give up on him and he got in and scored those two goals in Montreal and then started the, or that goal in Montreal and then and then started putting a little run together at home. It's, you know, maybe we were spoiled a little bit with uh, guys like Maxi Aruti and Blas Perez who maybe weren't the, the greatest players on earth, but, you know, they would, they weren't really affected by confidence, but my strikers really are. Yeah. One of the, the interesting things that I, I noticed in that match, we always talk about the, the um, I guess, the cohesion of the front three and, and how will the front three line work together. And one of the things that I noticed was actually a good partnership forming was actually Ryan Hollingshead finding Hara in the box. And I saw that more often than I would see Vargas providing service to, to Hara. Um, I'm wondering if that was a change that, that Lucci made or if that was just the way that worked out against RSL and the way that RSL was giving, giving this FC Dallas the space. Uh, in, in some ways is it comes down to the shape, uh, you know, playing that kind of, uh, wider, uh, what the four, one, four, or they laid out as a four, one, before one, it was really a four, three, three, um, you yeah, know, playing that you've. You've got a guy like 
Uh, Vargas, who plays more of an inside wing position. Ryan gets to have the overlap he really wants. When they kind of, you know, when they play a little bit different, uh, the wing is playing a bit further outside. It's almost like Ryan hits a hits a wall. I, I don't know whether to go inside, outside, and then inevitably gets moved over to the right hand side and becomes kind of useless. I like probably might feel like a broken record, but something I've been saying since preseason is that it looked like FC Dallas has been hinting towards tacking through the middle. Um, and like Dan said, that's something that Freddie Vargas does a really good job. He kind of has that tendency to cut inside. And I'm sure we can get into the semantics of the formation and the shape and the tactics of it. But um, I mean, that really stuck out to me just kind of looking after the match, according to whoscored.com. It was a much more balanced direction of attack. Um, I want to say that FC Dallas had about 31% of the direction of play go through the middle and then a little bit more lopsided on the left side where Ryan is just because <laughs> Ryan has that tendency to bomb forward. But um, also just looking at the shot direction, about a little 80 plus of those shots came from the middle. So um, that that's a positive that's something kind of the club can take away and that the fans can be a little bit happier is that it's a little bit more balanced going forward versus just going straight down the flanks and then kind of teams knowing, all right, we'll just push them out wide and press them and then force a turnover. So um, that's definitely a positive. Uh, in kind of while we're talking about the attack, something that really stuck out to me was also just the how many shots Dallas took, right? Uh, at the end of the day, they finished 29 shots to RSL's 11. And what uh, I think was the most noticeable thing was right after RSL scored, FC Dallas had 12 shots to RSL's one up until halftime. So uh, if I don't know if this is later in, in the show, if you want to talk about how they responded, but um, that's kind of definitely the response that you want to see that possibly wasn't uh, working in previous matches. Yeah, uh I do want to talk. We 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 didn't really. We kind of mentioned the in the open about the uh, the conditions. Um, we talked about how it's raining tonight. It was, was it as wet as it looked on TV? Yeah, everyone was slipping over. I mean, Ochoa slipped over. Hara did going for a shot. Uh, there was that Ryan Ryan slipped even trying to receive a pass at one point and managed to kind of just save it and make it look like a Buzz Lightyear graceful fall. Uh, uh, it was it was bad. And that's a, and the surface at Toyota Stadium is one of the best in the league. It, it drains amazingly. Alan Reed and the team do a great job. And yeah, for, for the for for the field to have that much slip to it was uh yeah bad. Yeah, well, I mean, they just got done playing the the Division Two National Championship there a couple weeks ago, um, and it, or maybe it wasn't Division Two, Division One, FBC, spring football, uh, and it was in the rain CBS? too. CBS, so, yeah, ABC, acronym football, um, and <laughs> and uh, like it was in the rain too, and so I can only imagine the work that had to go in to get it even to that shape, but. When when the field is slippery like that, do you think that it it plays for or against teams that like to play a possession based style and do the short passes and and work the ball out the back, or do you think it works more in the favor of teams that just kind of like do like RSL did and sit back, bunker, and then just hit it up the field? And it plays perfectly for. Uh Oscar Perea's 2016 team. You smash the ball upfield, you let it glide along the turf, and you let Barrios and Castillo chase after it. 
That is that's honestly it. Um, it. It's not conducive to playing the ball on the floor. The ball slips around too much, passes zip too fast. It's hard to keep your foot in. It's just difficult, and it makes Luchi ball tough, which is crazy because the Luchi ball numbers were were completely there. The passes, the possession, everything was was there. Actually, more positive passing than usual. Uh, amazingly, they were uh, at least in the first half. You know, normally. They're very much lopsided on the on that for, uh, defensive third passing, and it actually trended more to the attacking third. But uh, obviously, the the conditions deteriorated as the game went on. I don't know, maybe maybe a few players uh, didn't bring their soft ground boots. They may just went with those uh, firm ground short studs. Who's the kit man? You could uh, that, guy uh, that, that would be Marcus Owens, and you don't want to mess with him. All right. <laughs> um, well, you, it, you you mentioned. You know, the Lucci ball numbers were there. It did really feel like, um, I mean, we didn't get a res- they didn't get a result, but it did really feel like a, a game that was completely dominated by FC Dallas and because of that possession and because of the amount of passing that they did. I think they ended up with 15 corners to RSL's one. Um, you know, and I guess one of them led to the, the Hara penalty shot, but they didn't really do much a whole lot with that, but but 62% possession to 37, um, it's or 38. Uh, if we get, we gotta get our round numbers in our accuracy points of precision for, for Nico here. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I felt like this was probably the most complete game that they've played despite those con- conditions. And I, I'm struggling to decide whether it was because. Um, FC Dallas played well or because RSL just kind of gave them that and was willing to let them do that? Um, uh, to have our Luchiism of this episode, uh, Luchi always talks about how, how the games is played in moments, right? And I think you could say that uh, FC Dallas had moments that resulted in those two goals and where they probably felt like they did have those three points, it kind of slipped away. Um, and ended up getting one at uh, what the team likes to dub Fortress Frisco. So uh, like you were saying, Dustin, I think tactically it was complete. Um, Lucci and the team showed uh, fans in the league that, hey, this is the style that we want to play. Uh, and it worked out because they kind of put RSL on on um, on the back foot. And y- you hinted earlier that there's kind of a drop off and something that Lucci had not acknowledged earlier in the week during the weekly press conference is that there's kind of this drop off uh, within the second half. And you didn't see that they had built that momentum within the first half and then carried it through the second half. And that was kind of something Ryan Holling said had touched about in his uh, post game. It was just how he felt like the team was really pushing through kind of some of those barriers and struggles that they had. Um, so just holistically it looked really good it's just those small moments um that i'm i think we're gonna get to in a little bit so that is one thing that we did see in this in in this match that we haven't seen and one thing that we haven't seen a whole lot of in years past and then we actually so have maybe started to see a little bit more of this season um and it kind of led to rsl's first goal of the game is some mental lapses from El Capitan, not the cannon, but our um, the captain Matt Hedges. Uh, he he his mistake. He kicked, tried to clear the ball, and it went off as his own player, and led to led to uh, Rubio Rabin's first goal. Dan, do you think um, 
do you think that this is a trend in the in the waiting, or do you think this is going to be a one off? Okay, this is where we get to have an argument now. All right, let's do it. <laughs> right. So now, um, hold on, hold uh, on. I'm gonna get another beer. I'm still on the first one, by the way. Um, no, I think um, after he got that uh, sustained ankle sprain in the first game, it was uh, pretty easy for people to discount the whole game performance he had, uh, which was poor, um, even before the the injury. Wow, you have got three sitting there. Um, They're yeah. light beers. In, uh, in, in preseason pretty poor i really hope father time's not catching up with him i hope it's just kind of a little uh rough spell but we saw a mental lapse there and not only kicking it off of acosta but then kicking it straight to nick beasler immediately after that uh, when he had that like second you know he had that kind bounce that came back to him and then the part that i know you disagree on uh that second goal He's trying to pick up the guy that Brassan is already marking with Damir Krylak, a guy you do not want to leave open in the box, to Eddie Manjoma, who is already trying to mark Marcelo Silva. Eddie is screaming at Hedges or or Tanner or someone to come back to to pick up Krylak, and Krylak gets the free header. To me, that's Hedges' man. It's it's the guy he's next to, and then he go he has that. Oh, I don't know if you can cuss. So, oh crap moment and then runs back. <laughs> um, you know, which to me is an admission of I was supposed to pick him up and I didn't. That's It's, it's very un- uncharacteristic to have two mental lapses. Um, you know, whether it's the after effect of coming back from the injury and trying to protect that in slick conditions where when you're kind of like running around and almost like on ice, you are like, I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt myself. Or if it's if it really is just a, a a poor run of form that he's been going through. Yeah. Let's okay. So I think we we're agreed on that first goal, right? Yeah. Uh, first goal. Let's Matt has his fault. All right. That that second goal. I mean, for me, that's a team lapse there because there were three defenders back against four RSL players on, uh, and and. Hedges' back was two, two of them. He was marking the guy in front of him. I, I it's hard to tell on the broadcast if Munjamo was actually screaming at him or what. What you just said, but like, to me, I, I, it didn't look like there was much communication. Nico's got he's got Nico's the pulling faces. Nico's looking at the uh, the I, replay I right say, now I will as we're say, recording. When you're marking someone in the box from across coming in. You are ball side. So he's not actually marking the other player Brassan is. He's he's just let uh Krylak step off him a couple of steps. While Eddie is, you know, trying to take a middle position because he's got to run, watch for the run of uh Silver at the back post. It, it's to me, and that's me playing as a defender in in a very poor standard of football for many years. <laughs> The that was Hedges' mark. Oh, okay, Nico's gonna win. He's been he's the VAR. We're gonna go to VAR here. I'm gonna have to agree with Dan on this one, okay. just because like uh, watching the replay when when the ball comes in, um, you kind of see Hedges quickly pivot, um, and he 
I, I'm just gonna say it's a fast play, so I don't know if he's like physically reaching out for the guy. He's yeah, actually gonna, he was doing a victory, <laughs> or he's if he's physically gonna reach out for the guy and just bring him down, um, MMA style. But uh, for I think part of it is also just the experience um, that Matt Hedges has. Right, you don't necessarily expect a player of that caliber to have kind of um, just some of these um, uh, moments that he did have in this game. And like Dan was saying, Eddie, Eddie, if you want to get really technical, Eddie kind of has to keep his eye on three people when really it should only be uh, one or two, ideally one. But in this situation too, I mean, Hedges is kind of out of position running back and you kind of just see it in his run. He's like, crap, I, I know exactly what's going to happen. Um, and you just see it in his reaction after this goal and in the first goal. So, uh, it re really unfortunate for him in that regard. But um, Dan kind of touched on a really good point about the uh, the injury Hedges has. Um, I know my I myself uh, having unfortunate ankle injuries uh, <laughs> know that there's always there's that weird hesitation anytime you go to kick for a ball, uh, reach out for a player, or just I mean even doing something. I mean you you panic when it rains <laughs> like today. So um, I don't I I don't know if Hedges himself will just say that. Hey, there's kind of this mental block that I'm still trying to come over, um, and I'm sure Paxton probably feels the same way uh, with his injuries that he acknowledged that he himself just kind of has to focus on um, staying healthy. But you know, getting back on track um, <laughs> for for Hedges, it's just kind of unfortunate given his caliber and the defensive soundness that he's shown oh, over time. Well, I mean, it's obvious that I'm outnumbered here, uh, and I think the. For me, I'm still going to go with the problem was that they were outnumbered in the back and that nobody came back to help. Uh, but you know, I, I'm I'm a stubborn guy, but I'm willing to I'm willing to listen to reason here. I guess it will will uh, I don't know. So maybe it's it, maybe it's more his fault than I thought it was, but not completely his fault. How about that? Maybe if there was another guy coming back. Let, let's be honest. Most people probably blamed Frank O'Hara anyway. Yeah, it was Hara's fault. <laughs> yeah. Aubryon was off sides on the play. So, uh, anyways. <laughs> okay, so that that was the second goal. Uh, he did have two <laughs> Well, two is better than ten from the, the match before, right? Well, I guess, two. yeah. Um, all right, so, so let's, um, that was, that was uh, RSL's second goal. So let's talk about FC Dallas' second goal. Uh, and I think, a lot of folks are excited, excited to see kind of the spark come from Paxton Podmichol in that second half. Uh, and he kind of provided the service to uh, Hollingshead and kind of created some of the confusion on the the right side of RSL's box, FC Dallas's left-hand attacking side. Uh, and and Ryan Hollingshead sneaked, snaked through some defenders and got a shot off that took a deflection and went right into the net. Um, I think... I think for me the the interesting part there is is Paxson and Paxson's return to um, what seemed to be a performance that we'd be used to seeing from him, like we did uh, last year against Philadelphia, or um, you know, right for the pre-surgery days. Yeah, I thought it was really positive that he came off the bench. Um, 
the regular FC Dallas viewers and those who know about Paxton Pomichol just know that, hey, this is the kind of talent that he has and what he's capable of. So definitely a positive for him to come off the bench and kind of really um, ignite the team. Um, he kind of played with a, a sense of more intensity, right? More fury. And I kind of just feel like the team overall just knows that the results they've gotten thus far in the season isn't what FC Dallas is. So could also be playing into it. But for um, him to have made some uh, an impact coming off the uh, bench is definitely a positive and to be able to combine uh, and connect the back line with the front and to create goal scoring opportunities is great yeah it's kind of a, the fruition of him putting the work in um, going from a guy that could uh, you know participate for 20 minutes to a guy that can really contribute for a, a solid amount of time uh, you know people were saying well why isn't he starting yet hold your horses he's he's not 90 minute fit he's not you know 90 minutes sharp but uh it's definitely looking positive yeah he came in on the 72nd minute in that match i think that's right about the time that he has been coming on the past couple matches i think yeah the longest he's had is about 40 minutes yeah uh, 35 40 minutes he's they, they were gradually trying to lengthen it out but you know now they've got uh shun as well it's kind of that a weird substitution where you bring him in on the left hand side, you bring in Shun and you drop <clears throat> and you drop Paxton into the middle. Yep. So uh they are Lucci habits, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think he he's been coming back and he showed a lot of energy in the previous match. Uh maybe not a whole lot of like, I don't know, uh danger. Maybe not just energy for energy's sake. And this one seemed a lot more purposeful and and focused if you will um i don't i don't think we see him starting in the next couple matches maybe after the uh um international break uh we he's he's back and and able to start but i don't say we I, i'm agreeing with you John, dan uh that i don't see him uh going 90 anytime soon um at least for the next you know month or two I mean, the other thing is he's also got to, assuming when he is uh, 90-minute match fitness, he's also got to be able to displace Brian Acosta and Tanner Tessman within the midfield and Andres Ricaurte at, at that. Um, so, or or, or uh, Freddie Vargas. <laughs> or, or Freddie Vargas as well. So And, uh, and Shun. And the, Shun. the shiny toy. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's also got to, he's, <laughs> he's also got to display that he's... Um, ready to take over those uh, positions as well, which I also feel like just the midfield discussion can be a whole episode in of itself. Well, I mean, we have time, but uh, I I think uh, we, let's just, let's, let's leave it for a different day, I think. Uh, all right. Um, all right. So, so all of that, that, that roller coaster, the go down, equalize, go up, get equalized on, uh, bit of a roller coaster and it all ended with FC Dallas still in in last place in the Western Conference uh Nico that's last place isn't super fun uh do you think they'll stay there long do you think this is where was where they belong do you think we're we're looking at just some some low number low sample size here or do you think that uh um this is where we'll we're gonna end up 
Uh, so you asked multiple questions there. Um, <laughs> There's a run-on question. Um, do they belong there? I don't know. Are they going to stay there? I also don't know. Do they feel like they should be there? I'm. Everyone can probably tell you no. I mean, everyone around the league is also seeing this, and they're like, hmm, kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, result-wise, it, it isn't good. So uh, and if you kind of want to... If you want to hyperanalyze this like we're in English class, uh, Lucci did tweet out, which he really does tweet. So today he did tweet out, uh, to all our fans, we feel your relentless energy and belief. It pushes us and motivates us. We are working tirelessly for you. Our work is not done. We're fighting for you every day. So um, kind of just signals to me that there, there's the club feels the pressure. The, the apology to her? Yeah, was that about soccer or the vaccine rollout? Ah, good question. I mean, MTX is their sponsor, and uh, I'm not too too much of a fan on their science aspects of things, but also another podcast. I think I might be more interested in that podcast, to be honest. What's the last place? I just repackage uh, a Google AI program. That would be uh, called uh, plagiarism, and academic articles do not like that a lot. Uh, all right. Well, let's um, let's take a quick break here. Anybody have anything um, they want to talk about about the match? Wrap things up. Nope, getting a bunch of blank stares. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, talk a little bit about North Texas uh, loss to Toronto two, and uh, preview the Colorado match. All right, welcome back. We. Uh, we're going to close out the show here with a little bit of North Texas talk and a little looking forward to uh, Colorado. Uh, North Texas went to Arizona to play Toronto, which is odd to say, weird to, to think about. But I guess in these pandemic times, uh, weird things happen and we say weird things. Uh, Nico Mendez wrote about this on Third Degree Uh I'm told this is just in Dan Dan Crook, our our, uh, our third member of the panel here, actually edited that article. So if you want to see two thirds of this podcast work, go look at Nico's recap of the game. But Nico, why don't you give us a quick recap of of North Texas? Uh, first of all, b- before you start with that, uh, was Eric Quill well dressed, and was he intense? I, the camera angle didn't really seem the dress, but he was definitely intense. I'm pretty confident on that. <laughs> I would uh, bet a lot of money on that over crypto right did, now. Did you just say he wore a dress? No, 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 no. He was intense. Oh. <laughs> I, I heard something similar to Dan, so we'll have to check the tapes. <laughs> we'll go to VAR. And an audio VAR on that. Yeah, or I guess like WAR, wave, video, audio. So that'd be RR. Arr. Arr. <laughs> this is not a pirate podcast. Yeah, let's wait for international total like a pirate day. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, North Texas, uh, three goals. Uh, Toronto FC one two one. There are two penalty calls that I'm sure a lot of people would say aren't penalties. And then Toronto actually, their second goal was a well nice counter attack goal. Um, but that's kind of what you get for USL League One. Um, but in terms of the competition, I think it was a very well balanced match. Um, two MLS related teams uh, going at each other. Toronto getting the, winning and playing their first game in nearly over a year uh, due to the pandemic. They did have to miss the 2020 season. But um, I think it was good competition for North Texas. A whole lot better than the Greenville competition where I said it was like, hey, it's good that the team went through that rough loss. Uh, this game, 
positive was the fact that the team was able to hold their own. They competed well together as a team and individually. So, um, the, not the result they were definitely wanting, but uh, they'll have a chance, uh, a rematch this coming Saturday at 4.30 at Globe Life Park. All right. Well, um, question for you. Does How is... Um how is North Texas? Is there on the road? Are they historically pretty decent on the road, or are they pretty terrible on the road? I well, well it's, you're traveling across the country, so it's definitely going to be harder on the road. But um, they can be very, very good on the road, and they can also have some questionable performances on the road. So it kind of it kind of comes down to where I would say where they are in the season. If they're towards the later end of the season, they can definitely compete as they kind of did in the playoffs, uh, really trying to keep their playoffs hopes alive. But if it's going to be earlier in the season after the team has gone through a roster change, it's going to be a little bit harder for the coaching staff to kind of just gel all these new faces together. So I would say throughout over the course of the season, they definitely do get better on the road. You have to consider as well the you know when they play at home they. They just have more availability of players. They can get those guys sent down from FC Dallas. They can get more academy players uh, on the road. They do take a short bench just out of habit, and and it is really that that core of North Texas players. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I just remember them not being able to take some of their stronger performers because of them possibly needing having game day involvement with FC Dallas. Um, I just was curious. Uh, I just wanted to take it to the experts. Uh, all right. So North Texas on Saturday, Globe Life Park. Uh, FC Dallas actually travels to Colorado for an early season rematch against their opening day draw foes um, with the Colorado Rapids. Dan, what? Uh, <laughs> yes, you. That Dan. Um what uh, what do you what are you expecting from this match? Do you think that Lucci will want to to build upon this performance and take that on the road, or do you think we see the three five two three four three whatever come back and and the defensive first mindset? Like what? How do you think that uh, Lucci plays this? See, you've exposed me now because, uh, you, you know, we get a lot of information when Buzz goes out to practice on Wednesdays. Um, but, uh, you know, Lu- Lucci's <laughs> got his habits. He he bunkers down away. He seems to favor that back three. Hopefully not in 3-4-3 three, because three, that is terrible. Um, that, yeah, it, it's kind of hard to to string together those performances. And it's funny, uh, we have a, a Discord server for, for Third Degree and someone was like, someone earlier just said, I just really wish Lucci would take home performances into a way and say, we want to just have a good game and, you know, stick with a solid formation. And, that, and that's, unfortunately, that's just not the way he operates away from home. Bring on the one, two, seven. Yeah, that's Nico's, like, with, he, I think Lucci should just do it for one game just to make Lucci ha- or sorry, Nico happy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he does say football goes through cycles, so I mean, that's going back to a very, very early time. Get the WM <laughs> formation, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Uh, that's like 1870s, maybe. All right, I'm, I could be down for that. Yeah, you can think of it as kind of like the uh, Chicago Fires crest, just think of that, the points. And equally ineffective. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 
uh, Colorado's actually been pretty effective this season. They've had some pretty good games. Um, they they looked decent from the start of the season against FC Dallas, and I think they pretty well stayed um, decent above average. Um, I don't know that they're going to go out and win the Western Conference just based on their their play so far, but what well, from what I've seen of them. You know, I think we could probably expect a lot of what we've seen from them so far, like with uh, high press, maybe, um, you know, playing uh, Barrios up top and, and getting the ball to him and, and really focusing around him. And um, I don't know. I I think it'll be a yet another good good challenge for FC Dallas. Um, I don't know whether I'm hopeful or not there. I think that if uh, FC Dallas can – can build upon that that play and and you know take the same intensity and the same cohesiveness that they showed against RSL um, and then maybe they have a shot. I don't know. Are you guys are you guys hopeful? How are you feeling about that game going into it? It's kind of funny. Like you know, you look at uh, statistically, uh, really every statistical category, you know. Colorado is around or slightly above or slightly below FC Dallas. And, um, you know, it's, it's an old Bruce Arena quote, but uh, stats guys are morons, is I think what you said. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a- goals win games or yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. He doesn't go into, like, the, the Lucci-style coach speak. It's very, like, well, three points is three points. And, yeah. And what else matters? Well, shout out to our, our friend Armand Kafai if he's listening. He He's a stats guy now, working for the man. He he analyzes things that involves, like, the eye test as well. That's true. Maybe he looks at a video or two. I don't know. Yeah, soccer's a finicky sport. But speaking of stats, um, uh, FC Dallas kind of this is their last game before a kind of nice break that they do have. Um, about three weeks, so their next game isn't until June nineteenth. So, I mean, on aside from just the results and their standing and that pressure related, you kind of feel like there's even more pressure to at least build some sort of momentum before they go in that weird lull. Yeah, it's gonna. It's kind of a. It is a weird lull. I mean, I was just looking at the schedule. I didn't even remember seeing this on it whenever I first looked over it. And then I was trying to plan out which games I was going to try to, you know, convince the wife to let me go to. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, there's not a game for a while. So, um, and, you know, maybe maybe they take that time to get some players like Paxton Pomichol, uh up to speed and more more ready to be in game shape. I don't know, Danny. Uh, I think you need to. Uh, you've you've got you know coming back from the international break. You've got uh, Minnesota um, home. Uh, you know who um, stringing together some things. You've got LAFC who have absolutely sucked, but you know are always a dangerous team. You've got Portland away, which is never a fun trip. You know, we came into the season saying, hey, what, what a great start this is before hitting LAFC in Portland. Now you're getting to LAFC in Portland saying, oh, crap, there's only one win in the bag. Uh, you know, they've got to salvage something from this what looked like an easy run. And right now there's there's one game to do that before the international break because you do not want guys sitting for two week to two or three weeks saying, Look, just looking at that table, saying, "Why are we bottom?" Maybe we are last. 
I don't know. Maybe, like, does that the sports psychology of, of that, right? Like, maybe they sit there and looking at the table and like, maybe maybe we do deserve to be here instead of fighting for it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it's not. Uh, you know, I think everyone. I don't think anyone had like a very firm expectation as team because of the offensive rebuild and then all the tinkering around in the back, but. No, I don't think anybody said, oh, this team isn't going to make the playoffs. And now it's like, this team is potentially <laughs> They've got to get the in gear if they're going to, yeah. Nico, any thoughts about Colorado going forward? Any of the matches coming up? Nope. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and end it here so that we can uh, get back to jibba-jabbing uh, around, around the patio table here. Uh, send Nico off. Um up to, up to begin, become a Michigander. I just want to say Michigander again. Is that is that the right you call him? I believe that's what they call themselves. Technically correct is what oh, Nico wow. says. Oh, I thought I just I was like that's a weird goose name. <laughs> <laughs> What's good for the Michigander is good for the or, the gavel. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Before uh, we get too off the rails here, uh, for oh, got the official confirmation from Google, uh, Michigander. So. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I'm Dustin Nation for Nico Mendez for Dan Crook. Uh, you can find us on on line at DallasSoccerShow.com. You can find us on Twitter as at DallasSoccerShow. Uh, again, thanks for listening. Everybody.